Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. Thanks for walking out with us and tuning in for today's episode on which we are going to discuss the opening of the new Radiation Oncology Center at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences or UAMS, where they are now able to offer proton therapy. Now, I'm going to be very honest and transparent from the outset. This topic is just way above my head, but that's why we have experts, right? So we have as our guest today, Dr. Michael Beer, who is Vice Chancellor and Director of the Renthrop P. Rockefeller Cancer Institute at UAMS. Dr. Beer earned his medical degree and Doctor of Philosophy in the Medical Scientist Training Program at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. He then completed his residency and internship at Massachusetts General Hospital before completing his fellowship in medical oncology at the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, he joined UAMS at the end of 2019 after serving as the director of the Cancer Center at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Dr. Beer, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. All right. So before we get into the more serious stuff, I always want to know what keeps you busy when you're not working? Yeah, well, <laughs> To be honest, I work all the time, but uh, I think I know what you're getting at. And with the uh, my wife and I have three lovely children; they're all out of the house now. So yeah, we uh, we entertain ourselves with doing some traveling. We love to work around the house in the garden. Yeah, um, we do a lot of that. And um, to be honest with you, it surprises people, but I'm a big deer hunter, so I do oh. that. In, I do that in the uh, in the fall and winter, and. Um, moderately successful at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mo- most most folks around here just go hunting to uh to take some take some time off. You actually try to get something accomplished while you're out yeah, there. I do. It, I also I also like to thin the herd since they eat all my uh, garden bushes around the there house. There you go. <laughs> same at same at my house. So uh, I'd welcome you to come around. Um so I asked this of all of our wonky guests. What would you say is your theme song? Yeah, it's a great question. I I really love it. Um, and I I varies depending on my mood. But today, I really think uh, I got to go with Frank Sinatra and My Way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. Saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this. I did it my Great tune. Great tune. Love it. Um, all right. So 
how did you decide on oncology as a career path? Well, I have to say that, um, first of all, my parents are very supportive of postgraduate education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were, uh, they, they made it very clear that it was, that was important for all of children. Uh, my brother is a physician, so I think that also had an impact. That I was going to go into medicine. Okay. Uh, and then the, the, the dividing point was once I finished medical school, uh, I did my internship residency, where did I want to learn? Where did I want to end up? And right at that time, this is in the mid-80s. It tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, oncology was evolving from this, okay, we got these cytotoxic agents where, which are nonspecific and we poison everybody and some tumors shrink evolving from that to a much better understanding of the molecular mechanisms behind cancer mm. and ushered in uh, targeted therapies. And so uh, for somebody who was science-based, it was a perfect match. Yeah, uh, I could I, I continue to have a funded lab. I love that part of it. Could understand and work with tumors, um, trying to find new targets and help patients, but at the same time, go to the clinic and really see benefits. Uh, so it's yeah. been very rewarding choice. I made the right one for a change. It's a, it's amazing how the treatments are accelerating. It's It, it truly is. Yeah. And, um, you know, not, not to put too fine a point on it, but it is humorous. When I uh, went to the NCI, my, my PhD is in immunology, actually. And I still remember trying to decide, well, where did I want to end up in oncology? And I sort of said, made this decision that, well, this immuno-oncology stuff will never work out anyway. So I went into molecular biology and targets. Sometimes you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, I I got, because I I don't know, and I don't don't think our listeners are going to know. So what is proton radiation therapy and why is it so unique? Yeah, it it, it is um, the perfect marriage of physics with treating cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I actually seen it in my entire career grow because I was at, when I was at Mass General Internship, they we were actually using um, the Harvard slash MIT cyclotron to, to treat um, very specific patients. And at that point, it was completely experimental. Mm. Uh, and it was so successful, then um, commercial firms came in and the rest is history. So what is it? So as you know, radiation therapy has been around for a long time. The classic mm-hmm. radiation therapy is gamma rays. Okay, these are um, radiation uh, photons. You will not protons, photons. Photons. You aim them. They will literally travel at the speed of light forever unless you put something in front of them like a lead shield. So that's why you see traditional radiation therapy are usually in the basement of hospitals mm. and they're, they're because all the equipment is so heavy and you need all these lead line rooms. Right. Photons are effective. We've used them again for a long time, but because the photon, the gamma ray has the radiation with it, as it enters the body, it irradiates everything. So if I'm aiming a photon at your chest for a lung tumor, it's going to radiate your skin the muscle underneath it, the bone, and then it'll eventually get to the tumor, radiate that, and then it'll go through the tumor and come out the back. Wow. So um, if we now we have great new equipment for photons, we can narrow the field, we can change the field. Um, we've gotten a lot better at it, but you can see the problem already. You're radiating a lot of things and a lot of normal tissue. 
that you'd prefer not to. That's where protons come in. Uh, so protons are positively charged particles, and they really have no radiation. They just, you fire them out of the cyclotron, they travel. They travel very fast. But as they slow down, the um, they release radiation, known as the Bragg effect. So in fact, it's very specific. If you plot it out, as as the speed of the, of the um, proton slows down, you get this sharp peak of radiation, then hmm. it stops. So you can see the advantage already. I can aim that proton at your lung tumor. It'll enter through your skin, no radiation. It'll go through the muscle, no radiation. It'll go through the bone, no radiation. And if I know my physics, which I probably don't know much anymore, but <laughs> these guys who do it, you know, the physicists who are involved know their physics. They'll program it so the proton will slow down just as it enters the tumor. Wow. It releases its radiation. And then when it exits, it has no radiation anymore. So it was designed initially that the types of patients we were treating in Mass General when I was up there in the 80s were patients who had tumors right in the middle of their brain, pituitary tumors. Uh-huh. They were very hard to irradiate, right. smack in the middle of the brain around a lot of sensitive tissue. Proton was perfect for it. They would shoot the protons in through the skull, the skin, no radiation. It would slow down right smack at the pituitary gland and irradiate it. And then it would exit. Hmm. So now we've got we're gotten a lot better at it. We we can treat head and neck tumors. We can treat all sorts of brain tumors. We can treat lung tumors. We can treat cervix, so on and so forth. And at a minimum, we have much less toxicity. But at a maximum, patients actually live longer. Right. So um, it's a it's a it's it's almost perfect therapy. Yeah. And, and I'm talking as a medical oncologist. <laughs> And so I'm going to ask a follow-up question here. I, I know it's kind of new and novel to Arkansas, but the, as you mentioned, this has kind of been going on around the nation and in other places for a while. Um, why why has it not migrated to Arkansas until now? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming in part because of the equipment needed and all of the things, but. Well, I, I would say, first of all, to, to find better, uh, more carefully, the ramifications of what you're talking about. This is this therapy is particularly important for children, and the reason mm. is that they have developing tissues. You don't want to radiate those tissues, and they live long. Right. People like me, I got a little less time to, on this earth, but for children, they've got all this time, and they've got developing tissues. So, proton is also ideal for children. And here's the tragedy: what you just said. All of our children here uh, had to go out of the state with their mm-hmm. families, with life-threatening diseases to be treated in Oklahoma or or MD Anderson or over in the East St. Jude's. So um, that's not ideal and, 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 and it just shouldn't be. Now, why did we get it here? Well, because of the vision of, of really one person, which is um, the Chancellor Patterson, Cam Patterson. Um, he really saw a vision for... Um, wanting to um, bring, um, first of all, state-of-the-art radiation therapy before we built this new building was in the, it was again in the basement, yeah. an ideal place. And then also to add to a proton. And the way, the way it evolved, which was brilliant, is that it's pretty expensive stuff. So the proton portion of it is actually a consortium. It involves children's, uh, Baptist Health, um, 
Proton International, which is the commercial company mm. who's built a lot of these, and then UMS. So that's the consortium that ponied up money for the Proton side. The yeah. other side, Photon, which is terrific too, um, that's that's more of a Winthrop E. Rockefeller Cancer Institute effort. Okay. So it's a great, great partnership to to bring this new, this new therapy along. I, I think you kind of mentioned the types of tumors that are treated. Are are there cancers where for which this type of therapy are less appropriate or more appropriate? Well, I, I it's a good question. I think um, the, the the tumors I mentioned were the really the highlights, the ones mm-hmm. where it's revolutionized the field. Truth truth is that proton could be applied to any cancer, okay. uh, but it's considerably more expensive than photon. Yeah. And so the insurance companies pretty much say, we'll pay for it, but you need to show us why it's better than photon. Gotcha. And I think that's legitimate. So um, there are there are just situations where you can get a really good result with photon at about a third of the cost, and that's the direction it's going to go in. And that and and even that's evolving. So we put in three brand new linear accelerators here. Linear accelerators are the photon part. Mm-hmm. But these are not just linear accelerators; they're, they're brand new, state of the art. So so these linear accelerators actually take into consideration your breathing. <laughs> I mean, your chest is going out and in. Wow! It'll actually adjust for that. So the fields for the linear accelerators are even narrow. It also takes into consideration the shrinkage of the tumor. So if you're going to be treated for six weeks, maybe at three weeks, the tumor is shrunk. These learning accelerators will compensate for that. So you get mm-hmm. less, you get the field shrinks along with the tumor. So even that part of it, I think, is really state of the art. Interesting. So what what, what is something about this tre- treatment that may surprise people? Well, you know, it's an interesting, um, it's really an interesting question. Uh, I think the whole thing is sort of surprising. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've actually seen the device, but the um, the cyclotron was lowered into the building. Wow! After the building was built, so and we had a celebration on that. It came that the cyclotron was driven. Uh, first of all, it came across the ocean, and then it 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 landed in uh, Texas, and then it had to be driven across. The flatbed couldn't go any more than 20 miles an hour because oh. it's a huge 50 tons, but it's very delicate. So, uh, and then it had to be lowered in through a um, hatch in the building, uh, which was pre-designed. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a cyclotron. And then the gantry, so the cyclotron speeds up uh, the particles and then creates and generates the, the protons. But the gantry is just as important. The gantry is a whole separate um, device, which is could be a little scary, particularly for kids. So that's why we have we have soothing music and we have yeah. cartoons and all the things that kids like. But the gantry puts them in a position where basically there's very little movement because you don't want to be shooting protons into somebody and they're moving around. <laughs> uh, and then they might ha- have five or six treatments, so you want them to come back and be in the same position. So all of that is. I yeah. think that's all just surprising to me. That's it's really amazing. Um, taking a step back for for just a minute, out, even outside of proton therapy, are there trends in cancer prevalence or other types of treatment that people should know about? Well, I think for cancer itself, I'll, I'll, 
I'll I'll stick to Arkansas because that's relevant for what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I'm not sure this is a trend that's going to be shocking everybody, but we have a terrible, terrible tobacco abuse problem in this right. state. So lung cancer is number one killer. I don't see it changing a lot, which is which is tragic. Um, we have a enormous tobacco sensation program here. I think probably the best I've seen in the country. Uh, and we need to get that into, frankly, the schools because it starts very early. These kids are starting to smoke in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one issue. And then the other ramification of that is people switch to sort of smokeless tobacco. We have raging head and neck tumors. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of that same issue. So we need to address that. Um Beyond that, uh, other trends that I'm concerned about is we have a higher than um, predicted mortality for breast cancer. So breast cancer is the number one cancer in the state, not the number one killer. That's lung. Lung is number two (laughs) behind breast. But breast is number one in incidence. If you look out in the Delta, which I consider to be grossly underserved, we have a lot of triple negative breasts. A lot of it's in African-American populations, uh, and the mortality is very high. And that's that's something that's first and foremost for us in the Withrop B. Rockefeller Cancer Institute and for our uh, progress to NCI designation. We're going to try to address why that is. Is it simply access, in which case we'll try to solve it, or is there a genetic component, or is there an environmental component? Hmm. No, no. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know those... Those cancer trends are are pretty awful and longstanding. Um, something that we just haven't addressed to to the extent that we need to. Um, so, for students or for those in early in their careers who are interested in oncology, what's what's your advice to go down this career path? Well, I think um, I think there's practical advice, and then there's sort of um, more broader career advice. The practical advice is if you you're really thinking about medicine and getting into oncology, make sure that um, you really get exposed to hardcore science, and you should do that in in your college days, even latter part of high school. Uh, it's so much harder later on to sort of catch up on that. I, and frankly, I don't think um, I don't think oncology and medicine in general is getting easier. It's getting more complex. Certainly in oncology is we have lots and lots of targeted therapies now, and you really have to understand that. So that's the practical advice. The visionary price um, advice is um, if you're interested, it's still very valuable to get exposed to, whether that be um, volunteering or um, summer projects. You, you really want to get your hands wet to see what oncology is about because it's exciting, targeted therapies, we see great responses, but it's also very emotional and very sad. A lot of our patients die. So mm-hmm. you need to see the big spectrum. I, I, this is fresh in my mind because my daughter is in her first year hematology oncology fellowship in the Huntsman in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went through it f- with her in terms of the sort of same process. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did about two years at Mass General when I was back there as a clinical research coordinator and fell in love with treating lymphoma patients. And, mm. and that's what drove the whole thing. 
that that exposure is really really critical. That's right. Yeah. Both for the science and the and the empathy involved in in this, I'm sure. Yeah, and I I I would I'd finish up on that by just saying if um you've got it in the end, it's like everything else you do in life, but in the end, you've got to love it. You've got to be passionate about it. If 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 it's a lot of work, you know, it's that old uh, axiom: if you love what you do, you don't work work a day in your life. Right. Uh, if if it's really work and you're not enjoying it, you're not going to be a good oncologist. Yeah. Well, I am uh, really excited about this new technology and these new treatments, and uh, I look forward to uh, how they can benefit our Kansans and 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 others from from other states who might may even come into Arkansas to, to get these therapies. So, thank you for joining us and and uh, talking about proton therapy and all the work going on at the institute. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it, and uh, we have the ribbon cutting tomorrow. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all righty. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, The views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.